This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bik, the weekly shir on Parshat HaShavua, this week's Parsha, Parshat Shemot. We're beginning a new Sefer and a new Parsha, Parshat Shemot. I want to talk about the personality of Moshe Rabbeinu. We were taught at a very, 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 very young age that Moshe Rabbeinu was very modest. That's based on a Pasuk, not here, but in Bamidbar, in another incident, in another year. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was the most anav, the most modest, humble, humble is a better translation, the most humble of all people on earth. And I think there's a tendency to connect that to what takes place in our Pasha. In our Pasha we find something else. When Moshe Rabbeinu is accosted by God at Har Sinai, the burning bush, and is told to adopt the role, to take on the role of leading the Jews out of Egypt, he is extremely reluctant, extremely reluctant. He basically refuses. He does it a number of times in a number of places. When, when God first speaks to him, basically introducing himself, and, and, and says to him that I've heard the affliction, I felt the affliction of, uh, of the Jewish people, and now you should go, and I'm sending you, I'm sending you to take the Jews out of Egypt. Moshe says, Moshe says, who am I that I should be given, that I should be given this job? Um, God answers him, for I will be with you. Okay, the conversation continues. God, the Moshe Rabbeinu asks for the name of God. He says the Jews are going to ask me for a name. Basically, he's, he's moving on. And then God says to him finally to go and uh, gather the elders of Israel and go with them to Paro. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, somewhat later, Vaya'an Moshe Vayom, the beginning of Perek Dalet. I think it's worthwhile noticing. It doesn't say Vayom Moshe, even though it's a conversation. It says Vayan Moshe. This is, it's a new, it's a new thing. Then Moshe got up. Vayan means he responded, but you don't need to say that when you have a conversation. Vayan Moshe Vayomer means, and then Moshe made a speech, a statement. It's not part of the conversation. It's a new conversation. Vehen, behold, it means vehine, in this context it means but. He, he's demurring from what God told him to do. How, how can you tell me to go to the Jews? They will not believe me. Below yishma'u v'koli, ki yomru lo elecha Hashem. They will simply deny, they, they won't listen to me. They'll deny the story. They'll say I'm an imposter and counterfeit. So God gives him three signs, three otot, the, uh, the tzara'at, the snake and the blood. And then Moshe really begins to, to show his reluctance. Vayom Moshe el Adonai, Pasuk Yud. Bi Adonai, lo ish devarim anochi, lo gam mitamor, gam mishilshom, gam ayazda berchai avdecha, ki chavad peh v'chavad lashon anochi. He says, God, 
I can't do any talking. You're sending me to talk, I'm a terrible talker. Kvad kvad lashon. Heavy of speech and heavy of tongue. God gives an answer which I think shows a bit of uh, uh, annoyance, although it's a beautiful pasuk. I don't think he's giving him a philosophical answer. He's saying, who do you think made you stutter? Or will cure your stuttering? Who gives the mouth? Who gives mouth to man? Or muteness? Or deafness? Or sight? Or blindness? It is I, God. And go! Because I will be with you. Rosh Hashanah then says his final line, Adonai shlach He simply says, Not me. And then it says, Adonai God gets angry at him and says, I'm sending Avon along with you. I think most of us, like myself, uh, I think we've been trained, from, I don't know, from first grade perhaps, or second grade, we learned this, that Rosh Hashanah doesn't want to go. And he's twisting and turning and trying to get out of it. He doesn't want to go. The truth is, the Mephashim, Umban, the Ibn Ezra, can make a great effort to explain Moshe Rabbeinu's, in this part, Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, discussion with God as being the Gufo Shalinyan, as being uh, uh, like logical. He, he's saying there's certain traits needed. First of all, the Jews have to listen. I, I don't think they're ready. G- give me a note. G- give me a way to, to, to get them to listen. God gives them three, three signs, three miracles. And then he says, I don't talk well. So God answers that. And, and they, they try to explain the Psukim in such a way that Moshe Rabbeinu is raising points, and important points, about the plan of God. And I think that they're trying to, the Ibn Ezra says it explicitly, he says, no sin here. Moshe Rabbeinu is not turning God down. He, he, he's flowing with the, with the alchemy. He says, okay, this is my job, but let's think about how to do it, how to do it well. Uh, Ramban is, is a, a, a bit more skeptical, but nonetheless, he, he also makes an effort, without going into the details now, he says um, that Moshe Rabbeinu is not, is not simply saying no to God, he quotes the Midrash in Shemot Rabbah that says that it's not true. We must have learned it in elementary school. The Ramban and Pasuk Aleph, Perik Dalet, when Moshe says, V'hein lo yaminu li, b'ota sha'ad yibay Moshe shalok ha'ogen. Why? For a particular reason in that case. Moshe says that the Jews won't, won't believe me. For Pesukim earlier, when God told him to go and speak to Ziknei Yisrael, God said, Go, collect the elders of Israel and tell them that God has come to take them out of Egypt. And they will listen to your voice, meaning they will, they will go with you, they will, they, will, they will hear you and follow you. If I take them and go to Melech Mitzrayim. So God had told them that they will listen. How could we say that he's, he's not listening? The Berezu really says that it's not true. Moshe, God said to them that they will hear you. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, they're not going to believe me. It's a different level. It's in the, they might even follow me outwardly, but inwardly they won't be persuaded. And that's his complaint here. Again, the Fashim are making an effort to not present Moshe Rabbeinu as simply dragging his feet. 
The truth is, I think that it's a t- it's tenable, and I'll discuss this in a little in a few more minutes. It becomes very difficult to maintain that at the last statement of Moshe, when he simply says, Shlach Shlach. He's not raising any reason. There's no point. There's no consideration, no plan, no strategy. He's simply saying, send somebody else. And the response of God, And God gets angry with Moshe. So it does indicate that that, that, that God doesn't think that Moshe Rabbeinu is raising serious considerations, but rather he's simply trying not to, not to accept the shlichot. And, and how do we understand this trait of Moshe Rabbeinu? So the first thing I want to say is it's not the same thing at all as uh, Moshe Anav Mikol Asher Apnei Adamah. Moshe Rabbeinu was humble. This is not hum- humility. We shouldn't confuse the two traits. Moshe Rabbeinu's humility, as described in Sefer Bamidbar, you would, you would call it today um, unassuming. The, the context there is that he's been insulted, or they've spoken against him. Miriam and Aaron, his brothers, have spoken against or spoken about Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't respond, God responds instead of him. God says to them, don't start up with Avdi Moshe. You're not on his level. And it's explaining Moshe's silence, how God had to champion his cause. That's a, it's a different character trait. That's a trait of an assuming, it's, it's the opposite of gaiva, humility as the opposite of pride. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't get insulted easily. I say this in English, he doesn't, he doesn't consider himself to be a very important person who needs to defend his honor. His honor is not important to him, if he's even aware of it. The trait in our Pasha is a refusal to accept the role of leadership. It's, it's not being unassuming, it's being timid. And Moshe didn't have that trait. Within a few weeks, Moshe Rabbeinu will stand up to Paro. Not just that he'll agree to go to Paro. The end, in Pashat Bo, when Paro says to him, Leave my sight, you'll never see again. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Paro, you're absolutely right. I won't come to see you ever again. You'll have to come to see me. He, he's facing Paro face to face. Paro is, after all, master of the world. Most powerful king in the world. He faces him down. What's even more important, later on, when you have all the problems of the Jews, starting with Pashat Kitsisa, Moshe Rabbeinu throws himself into the, into the fire. He throws himself into the forefront of the argument with God. He comes up Mount Sinai with the two Luchot and he breaks them. He doesn't take initiative. He, he made a decision there to, to change the course of history. And then he calls to the sons of Levi and he sends them to kill the Jews. And then he goes to argue with God and God says to him, okay, you can go. He says, I'm not going to go unless you forgive the Jews completely. Moshe Rabbeinu is, is a true leader. Way ahead of everybody else. He's alone in the confrontation, so to speak, with Gan Pashat Kitisa, and later on in, in, in Sefer B'Midbar, all the other arguments and sins that the Jews have. Moshe Rabbeinu wants to be a Pashat Yid. He doesn't want to be in a leadership role. Find somebody out. I'm too busy, small. It's not for me to do. I, I, that, that, it's not the same character trait as described when Moshe Rabbeinu is silent and doesn't respond to his accusers or to his impugners, those who those who insulted or, or spoke evil of him. In fact, we know 
the Moshe Rabbeinu. So, you, so what, oh, excuse me, what, what you might just say, okay, he, he, he didn't have it, but when God insisted, he developed it. Leadership sometimes has to develop. We don't know a lot about Moshe Rabbeinu before the story, but we know one thing. We know that as soon as he got old enough to be an adult, by Yigdal, Moshe, by Yitzhak, as soon as he got to be a youth, he was just old enough to walk out of the palace, he went out to find his brothers. And he confronted the evil Egyptian who was beating his brothers. And he confronted the evil-doing Jew who was beating another Jew. When there was a need. Well, let's say he looked for glory. He wasn't a politician. But when there was a need, and there was a need for someone to lead the Jews, Moshe Rabbeinu understood that that was his role. He, he volunteered and put himself in the line then as well. As a character trait, Moshe Rabbeinu is not timid. He's bold. And he's full of responsibility. And he understands his responsibility. So I understand what takes place in Pashat Shmot when Moshe Rabbeinu repeatedly tries to avoid uh, accepting the role that God has imposed upon him to the degree that God in the end has to actually literally yell at him, to be angry at him. Understanding that it's a different character trait, I think we can understand, try to understand where it comes from here. The first time Moshe Rabbeinu expresses his reluctance, so the Pasuk says, right after he meets God at the snare, he says to God, Mi Anochi. Kelechel Paro. Let me just turn the pages. Mi Anochi, Kelechel Paro, Vichiotzid, Bene Yisrael, Mi Mitzrayim. Rashi interestingly says, because the Pasuk is doubled, that there are two different points. Mi Anochi, Kelechel Paro. I'm not a good enough person to do this. Is not the continuation of that. There he's saying, as he said later on, and who are the Jews that I should take them out of Mitzrayim? Even if I can be a good Motzi Mitzrayim, but the Jews are not worthy. I'm not sure that's the Pashib Shat. Rashi makes a point of it, and I think one of the reasons he does that, other than the fact that otherwise the Pasuk is, un, is unnecessarily lengthy, is because he discerns that the answer of God has two points. God said to him, I will be with you. And this is the sign that I have sent you. When, I take, when you take the, these people out of Mitzrayim, you will serve God on this, on this mountain. Here, there are really two separate points. Why does God give him two answers if only it was one question? So Rashi says, Who am I, you said, to take the Jews out of Egypt? I will be with you. You don't have to worry. Uh, you're not, uh, you may not be the greatest person in the world, but you have God on your side. It doesn't make a difference. Who are the Jews? For what, what is the merit of the Jews to be taken out of Mitzrayim? Fifty days down the road, seven weeks down the road, they'll receive the Torah. That's their merit. The merit is in the future, but that's the merit. They're being taken out of Mitzrayim, not because they were great tzaddikim yesterday, but because they will be Mechabel the Torah in fifty days. Uh, so therefore, Rashi said right away that Moshe Rabbeinu was raising two different questions. And I think that the explanation is that Moshe Rabbeinu is basically arguing logically, as the Mephoshim tried to say. 
But it's also true that there is a psychological element here. The Moshe Rabbeinu is not, he's not arguing logically, give me the means, tell me what tricks I need to do a better job. He's really saying, I can't do the job. And that's because of a psychological element, which in the end remains alone. When he simply says, Shlach Nabiyati Shlach. Okay, you've answered all my arguments, whatever, I, I just don't want to go. But the root really is not that he is not a responsible potential leader of Amisal. He was chosen because he is a leader of Amisal. That's what the stories in the beginning of the Pasha about the mitzvah and about the two Jews who are fighting come to tell us. As well as what he does, again, the third story, when he rescues the daughters, volunteers. <laughs> he took up, if he, he, the man's not willing to take the Jews out of Egypt, but he's willing to save the five daughters of, of Yitro from the Midianite uh, 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 shepherds. He's a hero. He's a naturally born hero. What's holding him back is a reflection on what took place in Mitzrayim those, those years beforehand. And that's based on a particular idea that Moshe has, which he would like to aspire to do, but now thinks he can't do it. Moshe Rabbeinu thinks that taking the Jews out of Egypt basically involves the Jews taking themselves out of Egypt. In other words, one, they have to be worthy. Two, they have to understand. Three, I'm guessing that this is the most important point, they have to be free. A slave doesn't want to leave slavery. Moshe Rabbeinu knows, or or he knows his brothers, his brothers have have been enslaved for many years. He sees the job that God's trying to give him as being one who will go and inspire the Jews to rise up. And with God's help, with his help, leave Paro and leave Mitzrayim. But they have to, the Jews have to be inspired. They have to understand what they're doing. They have to be free. They have to be spiritually free. They have to be psychologically freed from their internal enslavement. It could be, you understand the same thing as far as Paro. You're sending me to Paro? So then I have to somehow convince Paro to stop being the dictator, the, the, the oppressor, and that Paro should realize that he could, be, he could help me be the liberator of the Jews. Moshe Rabbeinu sees his job as, as what a true leader should do. He's a leader. He's not, he's, not just, he's not just a stick. In other words, if God wants to take the Jews out of Egypt by doing miracles, he doesn't need Moshe at all. Let him just do a miracle. Break their bonds and, and, and push them out. He's sending Moshe Rabbeinu to speak. He said, you will speak. To speak means he's going to be an orator, he'll be a convincer, he'll be a leader of men, leader of the Jews. Not drag them out of Egypt, but lead them out of Egypt. And in some way, a leader or a persuader of Paro as well. That's how Moshe Rabbeinu understood his job to the day when he was a young man and went out by Yetzei El He went out to, to, to see his others, to speak to them, to help them. The story with the Egyptian there he just hit him over the head. But the story with the Jews was, he said, Asha lama ta'kenayecha. He didn't punish the, the evil Jew. He tried to get him to be a better Jew. And, and, that story did not work out very well. I think what the Torah is telling us, that Moshe Rabbeinu had a traumatic experience the first time he tried to be a leader. He definitely has the characteristics. He has the heart. He has the soul. He has the will. 
But on his one or two, two-day outing, as a young man, the Jews didn't listen to him. One, he met evil Jews. Two, apparently, the word came to Paro that he had done what he had done, Rashi comments, because the evil Jew told Paro. He also dissuaded him. Rasha, lama takerayecha? The Rasha answered him, who made you a shofet? Who appointed you to be a leader? That's really what he was saying. He's saying, you're pushing yourself into a leadership role? Who are you? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm, I'm here to save you. The guy laughed in his face. The Jews are not, that's how we know the Jews are not worthy. The Jews are not worthy of being, of being saved because they're unable to be saved. They're unable to save themselves. And the Egyptian, so he killed one, and the other one tried to kill him. He, 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 has nothing, he realized there's nothing he can do to change Pablo. Pablo's trying to kill him. And so there's an intellectual as well as a psychological result. One, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I, I, don't have the, I don't have the skills. Somebody might have the skills. I'm sure Moshe Rabbeinu believes that a truly great inspired orator sent by God would get up on a podium and gather Jews around them and he would, he would inspire them to remember the covenant of the fathers and the quest for human freedom and the desire to go to Eretz Yisrael and to meet God and to receive the Mitzvah and everything else. And, and a truly great liberator. As there have been in history, people who, who, who conquered their foes, he would be able to overcome Paro as well. That's what he thought. And that's what he thinks the job entails. Because anything else in Moshe Rabbeinu's mind isn't worth it. To drag the Jews into the desert? That they'll be squabbling, quarrelous, murderous Jews? Slave, slave mentality? That, that, that's not feeding them at all. In the end, they'll just die. God can keep feeding them, but, but they're not going to go anywhere. In the end, they'll die of starvation. What happens if you take a motley crew out of slavery and lead them into the desert? They die of starvation. They're not, they're not able to organize or to lead themselves. That's an intellectual conclusion. Mi anochi. Who am I? Ki elech el paro. I don't have the ability, the skills to speak paro. And in any event, suppose paro agrees. Who are the Jews? What kind of Jews are they who, who, who can be let out? But there also is a psychological element here. After all, it happened to Moshe Rabbeinu once, maybe twice. Maybe there's some things we don't even know about, maybe three or four times. But you were a young man, and it didn't, okay, it didn't work well. He could have said, let's try again. Moshe Rabbeinu is traumatized by his experience. Perhaps because he was a young man. He went out full of hope and, 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 and thoughts of, of, of redemption. He went to find his brothers, and who did he find? Who did he find? He found those two quarrelsome Jews, or the one quarrelsome Jew, and the other innocent victim. He didn't find his brothers. He didn't find them. It reminds us of the previous person who went out to his brothers. At the Chayan Ochim of Yosef said, and who did he find? People who sold him into, into Egypt. It could be very devastating. Yosef had his own psychological reaction there. And Moshe Rabbeinu's psychological reaction is that I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be me. And therefore, we find both things in the Pasha and the next, in the continuation of the Pasha. So he starts personally pointing out his points. He says, the Jews are not going to believe me. Nothing. I, I, I can't convince them. I don't know what we're about. God says to him the same thing he said to him the first time. 
Because God has a different plan. God says, you're in the point. You are not going to be the great and wondrous leader to take them out of Egypt. You were chosen for a different leadership role. Later on, 40 years in the desert or, or five weeks in the desert, whatever, getting them to Eretz Yisrael, that's going to be your leadership job. When there are problems and you have to fight with me and you have to be mechapeh for B'nai Yisrael and you have to convince the Jews to keep going, that's your leadership job. But out of Egypt, way beyond you. Anuchi ayeimach. I'm going to do it. You're just a, a, a vessel to help me get this through. But, but in the end, it's going to be biyat chazakah b'zeronetuya. God's going to crush Paro miraculously. And the Jews will be, will also respond to those miracles. As, as, as God says to Moshe Rabbeinu in Bo, that I'm going to do all these ototu muftim, I'm going to do these miracles, so that the Jews will see it. And the Jews will see it, they'll follow the miracles. That's much less, it's less admirable than Moshe Rabbeinu has in mind, but that's what has to be done at this point. So that's the answer to your questions. He says, how are you going to convince them? You're not going to convince them by talking. I'm going to give you some miracles to them. You drop your staff, it turns into a serpent. Very impressive. That's how they'll be convinced. Truth is, later on, it's Moshe Rabbeinu goes to the Jews and does the miracles, but the Pasuk says, they believe. They heard his words and they believed them. They're really at a better level than he thought. But, but still, the answer is, it's not your job to humanly change everything. I'm just sending you to help me to be, be the, 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 the means or the, the, the scene through which my might will appear. And the same thing goes for Paro, same thing goes for Paro as well. Uh, in the end, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't convince Paro. Who convinces Paro is Makat Pachorot. Uh, and, that's what, and, that, and, that, and that is God's plan. Now, it's true, what I said before is correct, at the end, when Moshe Rabbeinu runs out of arguments, he still says, Shlach Nabiyat Shlach. Because he's not a partner to God. He, doesn't, he literally does not believe in himself. Is that connected to the innate humility of Moshe Rabbeinu? It could be. It could be. Here I, here I see there might be a connection. Timidity isn't the same as humility. As humility. But, but, having failed once, saying, okay, doesn't mean the job won't get done. It's probably somebody else. I, I jumped up into the breach when I was the only one there. But now, when I didn't even succeed, so it's time to find somebody else. That could be. It's similar to humility. But I think that there's a larger point here and an important one for us to realize the Torah tells us about it. And that is the Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of Israel, the Go'alan Shah Yisrael, the one who will bring down the Torah and lead the Jews 40 years through the desert, does bear a psychological scar from his childhood, which is when psychological scars are, are uh, imposed, are made, from his meeting by Yitzhak El Achav. He went out to his brethren, and it was a terrible experience. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he runs out of arguments, is at a point where, okay, I could do the job, because God explained to me how it's done. He gave me the three authority. He told me this, he told me that. But I don't feel the confidence. He still thinks that his job is to convince. He still thinks his job is to lead. And he does not have the confidence, not because he's not a person who has enough self-confidence to do that which needs to be done, but not about not in this particular case. He doesn't have the confidence to lead the Jews. Interestingly enough, he did have the confidence to start up with the Midianite shepherds. But he doesn't have the confidence to 
fight Mitzrayim, having lost that battle. And he doesn't have the confidence to inspire the Jews, having lost that battle. And therefore, even when he runs out of arguments, he still says to God, basically, no, that's the way I understand it. Shlach, shlach. And that's when God gets angry at him. Because that already is, it's understandable, but it's close. It, 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 yeah, I'll say it. it it's, it's a moral failing. For a second. For one particular point. There's a fascinating medrash. Which, it's, it's a difficult medrash. Which noticed that when Moshe Rabbeinu met God at the Sneh, he put his eyes down. Ki Elohim. Covered his eyes. Because he was afraid, ki he was afraid to look upon God. Not so long afterwards, a year or two later, maybe more, we don't know how much time Moshe Rabbeinu spent in Midian after this, but very little apparently. And when he's literally the most majestic leader, it's one of his finest moments, standing up to God, demanding that God lead the Jews and not abandon them, and God, and, and God accedes to his will. And then he says, Show me to my eyes, make me see, your glory. And God gives him an unclear answer. He says, yes, but you won't. You have to cover yourself before I will cover you, and then, you'll, and then I'll pass in for you. The Medrash says that God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Medrash doesn't explain. Medrash says, you want to see my glory? When I wanted to show it to you, you didn't want. Because it says, Ki mehabit el Elohim. That Moshe Rabbeinu uh, covered his eyes. After, after first going to see, but when he realized that it was God there, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't look. And now, you want to look. I'm not going to show it to you. It's, a, it's like an argument back. He's saying to God, God, God says to him, I was willing to give you more. And you, you didn't want. What do you mean you didn't want? You were, that's, that's, that's modesty. You thought you, you, thought you weren't willing. You, 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 you thought you shouldn't be singled out relative to the Jews. So that I hold against you. God says to him, and now when you've, we spend so much time together, so you want to go further, you want to get what no human being has achieved. The greatest of all revelations. I think the point, I think the point of the story is that on the one hand, to really understand the difference between the two character traits I talked about. Humility is a positive trait. Timidity is not. At least not in a potential leader. If a job needs to be done, you can be humble and you can really wonder whether or not you could do it, but there's no one else to do it, so you're going to do it. You have to step in and find powers that maybe you didn't know you had or maybe you didn't believe you had. So humility of Moshe Rabbeinu will not prevent him from being a person who volunteers to be the leader of the Jews.
But sometimes we have to recognize, and it's important even Moshe Rabbeinu, that we can draw a conclusion about ourselves which is incorrect. Because there's human psychology. We have to really decide and consider whether our arguments and decisions are based on the correct arguments or whether there's a psychological element mixed in with them. And it's very hard to separate them. I don't think Moshe Rabbeinu separated it all. The background here is that God wants to literally drag the Jews out of Egypt and Moshe Rabbeinu wants to lead them out of Egypt. And he's wrong. Not for any bad reason. He's actually right. That's a much better way to do it. It's not God's plan. But if it was God, if that been God's plan, then he has some good arguments. But nonetheless, it turns out in the end that it was mixed. Human soul, the human reasoning, the human heart has very, very, very complicated mixture. And Moshe Rabbeinu's correct arguments about his misplaced role as the leader and inspirer of the Jews, after God strips it away, it turns out there's a residue there, which apparently was influencing him from the very beginning, whereby he's not judging correctly what powers of persuasion and what powers of leadership he has, because he had one or two bad experiences in his past, and that's something which requires him to, to apparently he will succeed, because he, he, won't, he won't raise this argument again. Moshe Rabbein, in fact, straightened it out. In order to become a full leader, it's not enough to have a character trait. You also have to know how to judge correctly what is your personality, what is your reasonings, what are your considerations, and what are your personal reactions, sometimes unconscious or subconscious reactions, and that needs to be cleaned before we go on. And if Moshe Rabbeinu has to do that, who was a natural-born leader from his earliest age, the day he walked out of the palace, he assumed the mantle of leadership. But he has to now check in advance as to what kind of a leader is going to be and, and what's it based on and which one of his traits and characters and considerations and psychological pressures are influencing him. Of course, this is a lesson for every human being. Leaders, non-leaders, small leaders, leaders of our community, leaders of Amisar, leaders of our family, leaders of ourselves. We have to also do at least as, as hard a work as Moshe Rabbeinu is being forced to in this week's parasha. Call to a Shabbat Shalom.